What up, what up, what up, what up? What's happening with your brother? Man, it's another Sunday night. It's uh, May 16th. And uh, we look, we both look pretty worn out. Man, I have not stopped running all day. I am running on fumes. I am ready to turn it in, but I can't because I got, I got about uh, nine more hours to do. So, man, listen, I, I don't envy you at all. You know, you're grinding it out. This is the life of a pastor. This is the part they don't see. Running here and there from to and fro. Seeking who you may devour. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, everybody. We got a Jay on, a Sean. Good to see you, Rashad, my man. Lady Dela Cruz. So good to see you all. Be sure to like and share. Uh, this is the uh, episode of Religiously Incorrect. We are thankful that at least it's not uh, flooding out our, our, our streets and our houses like it was last week. Uh, hopefully springtime is finally here just in time for summer, you know, hopefully spring will get here just in time for summer. So it's good to see everybody. Be sure to like and share. Got a wonderful show for you tonight. We call it the Young Pastors Roundtable. Got our boy in the house, Pastor Cameron Bowman. Now we had two other brothers that were going to join us. I'll just say at the top, Pastor Kevin Carson, Pastor Kent. We're not able to tap in because of unforeseen circumstances, but you know how we do. We'll bring him in later and then we'll just rag him real hard for 30 straight minutes. That's basically what we do to Absolutely. guests that don't make Absolutely. it. We just we rebuke him. We call him to the front of the church and rebuke him <laughs> and make him do a public apology. <laughs> Old Marlon Reed, Marlon Reed, Marlon Reed, hey, congratulations. Big up Marlon Reed with the engagement with the, you know, the uh you you was creative, Marlon. You you was creative. Yeah. Your Did queen you know, to be. Did you do, do, do did you do a creative engagement to your wife, Todd? Me? Yeah. Does Taco Bell count? Does the Taco <laughs> Bell parking lot count? I I I, I hit the ring not of the Taco Chalupa. Bell. Not Taco Bell, man. You I hit the ring of the Chalupa. It was like we getting married. We married, ain't we? <laughs> no, we got we got engaged in Niagara Falls. We got engaged in Niagara Falls. Okay. Yeah, okay. man. But wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all got engaged at Niagara Falls? Don't ask no questions, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't ask no questions. Holiness is yet right. Holy holiness is yet right. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm, I'm gonna just wait till I get over to your house. Me and, me and Lady Shamika gonna talk. Listen, listen, listen. She was still missionary Shamika back then, and uh, <laughs> she, uh, she, she definitely said. <laughs> all, all I got to say is, all I got to say is, when she put the Michael Jackson pajamas on, I already knew what the deal was. <laughs> <laughs> like you are not alone music video i said oh yeah we definitely waiting to the wedding night okay i got you i feel it Amen. all right Amen. how about yourself man how'd you get engaged man my wife was working at evelon's bridal downtown okay. yeah and i went in there and i went there with my shoes untied on purpose <laughs> not you know, the shoes untied 
Oh, you know, so she can tell me to tie my shoe so I can bend down. Uh-huh. Yeah, my shoe was untied. So she finally, she finally said, she finally said, would you tie your shoe? I've been down and uh, I got some feedback somewhere. Can you I hear that? Hear I can't hear it. That's just you, Doc. I can hear it myself. I don't know what's going on. Oh, anyway, yeah, it was. It turned out beautiful. We we okay. made it. That's beautiful, man. That that's beautiful, man. So uh, so what's happening in the world, Pastor Jeff? Uh, let's see. Middle, the Middle East is about to explode. Uh, yeah, you got to echo, Jeff. Maybe you need to put some uh, headphones on or something. But uh, so we have the the Middle East about to explode. Uh, uh, Jacob and Esau, Isaac and and, and Ishmael are at it again. Is it Isaac and Ishmael? Isaac and Ishmael. They still they still fucking at each other. I no, it's, it's Esau. And, I don't know. It's one of, it's Jacob and Esau, like Isaac and Ishmael. Hey, one of you real pastors out there, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> one of you. What are you real pastors that actually read the Bible? Y'all can tell us. <laughs> y'all can tell us what's going on. Bring Campbell, hurry up, we can find out what's going on. <laughs> we don't know at all. But anyway, I mean, okay, so Mike wants to take Jeff out for a second and bring him back in. So go ahead. Go ahead and take him out. And we're gonna we're gonna try him again. Welcome to the Todd Johnson show. <laughs> all right, you're back. Let's see what's going on. Okay. No, it's, it's still an echo. I don't hear it, so I'll just consider myself blessed. I'm a person. But on the real, though, uh, I am highly disturbed by what I'm seeing uh, in the news. Thank you, Pastor Tatum. You're a real pastor. You know what's going on. Uh, here's my thing, Pastor Jeff, and this, this is probably going to have a whole, a, a whole episode to itself one day. But you know, a certain segment of our Christian brothers and sisters are so pro-Israel, you would think that there is basically nothing they can do that's wrong. And I see them doing a lot of stuff that's wrong. And uh, I, I do believe they're God's chosen people. I believe that the, the Jewish original Hebrews uh, are God's chosen people. But I'm not so sure I have the same affection for this group of people. Uh, are we still working out with Mike? I have it with Jeff. You still trying to figure something out? All right, I'm just giving my speech while I'm while I'm on screen. Uh, maybe I'll get uh, President Harrison to tune in. I, I'm just deeply disturbed by what I'm seeing and the bombings, the children who are dying. And so what I refuse to say is that I unequivocally stand with Israel. And I'm starting to hate that phrase. Stand with Israel starts to feel a lot like all lives matter to me, even though it... it which, ironically enough, Pastor Jeff, this is the serious part of the uh, segment, you guys. You guys can come in later for the foolery in a few minutes. But ironically enough, all the All Lives Matter people are suddenly acting like all lives don't matter. Because right. the same people that said all lives matter are now the same people that are saying, I stand with Israel. And that means they're basically saying, I want them to bomb the crap out of Palestine, no matter how many people or family or children die. And so... I have a real problem with the hypocrisy and I have a real problem with the, I don't even want to get into the identity of Israel and the setup of Israel and the fact that we're sending them almost $4 billion a year and all the bombs and, and technology to do this. And I'll say one more thing and drop the mic and then I can get uh, angry emails later. If God is on Israel's side so much, why do they need all of America's money? 
that that's the question. Oh, this is killing me. This, this Mike, that that is the exact question I want to know. Why are we sending them this money? Why are we doing so much taking up for them? If it's if if God is the God of Israel and you know He's the same God as He was back then, how He made provisions back then. Where's the? It's, it's a whole lot, and I I do understand what you're saying, brother. Yeah, I and I mean, understand. and and I mean, I'm I'm sure the hate mail will come, or I have brothers and sisters that are disappointed, and you know, you're supposed to stand with Israel. It's biblical. It's this. It's that. You know, so so is justice, but they were real quiet about that. So is so is Black Lives Matter and doing justice in our country, but. You know, apparently that wasn't biblical enough. And and I, I'll tell you what, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I, I'm equally disturbed by my evangelical conservative brothers and sisters who who basically treat Israel as a means to an end. Sometimes you don't, it's very easy. And trust me, I went there. So I we can do a whole show about when I went there. Very paternalistic, very condescending, very, you are chosen special people, but you're really chosen special people because you're going to get us where we want to be. Right. And that's, that's a disturbing angle because people uh, who are chosen are chosen all by themselves without us. And so, you know, now, just, just, just talk, talk. And I'm, how much time we got? Oh, it's about 10 after, but just real quickly, real briefly, the way we as Americans feel, or let's, let, let me, let me take you back. The way our evangelical friends feel about them they don't feel the same sentiments, at least the real ones, about us. It's not universal. And I can say that it almost feels like there's a quid pro quo sort of thing going on where it's because we are pushing so much money and support and even tourism their way. I noticed that there was almost this lethargic, you know, kind of like putting up with us because we are the and again, the conservative evangelicals are the primary advocates that make sure the government continue to send this money and, and send and give the support. But it's very clear that the, the, the those Jewish natives, those Jewish uh, citizens, including our tour guides and our hosts and all that, it's very clear that they're just putting up with a group of people who travel there just to impose their religion on top of their own religion, which is right. just which is just insane. But, uh, uh, you know, that again is a whole, tr uh, a whole thing all by itself, you know, and I wouldn't want to get into it. So I'm going to I'm praying we're gonna for Israel and I'm praying we're gonna for Palestine. Show. We're going to do a whole show about it. We're going to do a yeah. whole show about it. I mean, you know, I, a, a lot of y'all who, who likes the foolery probably won't turn to tune in that day. But we are going to do a whole show about it, and and we're gonna get we're gonna get some uh, some real people from over there, or at least who uh, know more about this particular topic than we do, and who may be uh, Israelites. And we've talked about the black Israelites and all that stuff. Let's go oh, there. Yeah, Let's go. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think that's definitely a necessity, and uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. And I'm and I'm down for the for the debate. And, and let's just be clear, you know, there's a lot of things that we feel very strongly about and people who are in a different frame of reference or frame of mind in their Christian walk, they feel very strongly about. And one thing I've learned to do is just kind of stop lessening, you know, our perspective because there's a dominant society and a dominant, you know, feeling, you know, just because you're bigger doesn't mean you're right. 
just because you have more power, more resources at your, uh, you know, disposal doesn't mean you're right. I think history is going to prove, you know, who's right. But again, I like Mark's comment. Not so sure. If we, I don't want to say blind allegiance because they crucified Jesus. I say just blind allegiance, period. Because watch this. If God judged Israel for their wrong, why can't we? How about that? How many times did God have to judge Israel for killing innocent people, for doing wrong things? You know, so this whole you can't criticize Israel is absolutely insane. I love my Jewish brothers and sisters. I love my Palestinian brothers and sisters and all their lives matter. And I want the fighting to stop. And truth be told, I'll go on record as saying they need to give the Palestinians their own state and call it a day. Give them their own state and call it a day. And if you read your Bible, David invaded their land. So, yeah. He snuck into their city and changed the name to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So anyway, uh, I guess we're going to do some ads right quick. Uh, uh, we're going to do some ads right quick. Everybody, uh, make sure to check out our proud sponsors, uh, beginning with the Phillips Care family of businesses, Phillips Care Cleaning Service, uh, residential and commercial. They take care, take care of floor cleaning, basic, deep cleaning, carpet cleaning, upholstery, wood flooring, move in, move out. Don't waste your time. Let Phillips Care do it. They clean up the mess that causes you stress. I love that because it rhymes and I'm a black preacher and we just like to rhyme. Call Fernando Phillips at 330-219-7916, and he will get his crew right on your job, no matter how big or how small. And while you're at it, check out Phillips Care Lawn Services. They've been in business for over 10 years, and everywhere you look in the city of Warren, there's a Phillips Care truck or a van somewhere nearby. They'll take care of your yard starting at $30, spring, fall cleanup, mowing, edging, trimming, everything you can think of in the Trumbull, Mahoney, and surrounding areas. Be sure to check out Phillips Care Lawn Services from the Phillips Care family of businesses. We thank you very much for being our sponsors, and we thank you, our audience, for supporting our sponsors. Jeff, would you introduce our guest tonight? Man, we got a preaching brother, man. This brother is, you know, a phenomenal brother. He's been in ministry quite some time. 72 uh, he's years been- he's been preaching. He's been preaching for 72 <laughs> years. Started his he's- ministry during World War II. <laughs> He started a ministry down here in Youngstown called The Fresh. You got to say it like that. The Fresh. I called it the produce church. section. I called it the produce <laughs> section back in the day. The Fresh Church. The fresh and church. then he went on, he went on to take over uh, a, a church up in Meadville, PA. Uh, this brother don't need no introduction, especially to those around Youngstown. We all know him. He was one of, one of the most phenomenal drummers around the city. Uh, as well as a, a a powerhouse of a preacher, he is now overseer, Cameron Bowman, the man. Bring him on in, give it up for him, y'all. Pastor Bowman. Hey, look, look, hey, he, he started up, off. <laughs> How are you all, family? What's going on? <laughs> oh man, you what's going on? It's hey, we got we got to talk like the old heads. It's you, player. You you going on, player? I'm trying to keep up with you. You the man. Cameron is Cameron is preaching in New York next week. The Bahamas will be captain. He's gonna be in Russia. He preaching on the he preaching on the Great Wall of China. Preaching in Mars. He's gonna go on the Elon Musk rocket ship. And preach uh, SpaceX. 
Man, you no, got back on the road quick. You like, shoot, Corona be gonna. The blood is upon <laughs> you. <laughs> Y'all funny. Y'all it's funny. Thank you for having me tonight. Yeah. I'm on it. Go ahead. So, so what's going on with you, man? How's everything, man? Talk to us. Talk to us about how it's going up there in Meadville. Everything is wonderful. God, God is blessing. Just busy uh, doing a lot of different things in the community. It's a very diverse community, so uh, you know, it, it's well. I'm actually at the church right now. We literally, literally just finished uh, a musical. I had a quartet musical, so you know they they, they got excited. They, they we was in here for a little while. You know, for it was like twelve. It was like program. twelve hours, wasn't it? It started. At yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. About twelve. Yeah. So uh, now, now, yeah. Now, when Go you ahead. say when you say you know you you, you make statements like um, we're very diverse up here. When people think of Meatville, that is the one thing we don't think of. Is diverse. Yeah, that is the I farthest know. thing from that. And, and let me just tell y'all. <laughs> let me just tell y'all. If Cam ever invites y'all to his church, <laughs> be ready for a drive. Ain't no freeway getting there. Dog. Get a hotel. Oh, Get a hotel. Is going the back way. Get a camper. You, carry a gun. <laughs> you need a four wheeler. You need a four wheeler to get through. <laughs> And you gotta take the Titanic to Cam Church. <laughs> <laughs> it's Santa Maria. Man, I'm driving like, what did I do to myself? What is going on here? Am I in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, man. hey, you, 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 you are officially the uh, that pastor that we all travel far to see. You're gonna be the pastor that our kids talk about when we older. Like y'all remember, we used to have to take them long trips. <laughs> I remember those. I remember those. So yeah, that's funny. I fall in that category now. Because we all had it. We always had that one church. You had to take them long trips to go to go visit. Yeah. And now, now you're it, man. Yeah. So Meadville is diverse. So what's like the makeup in Meadville? Um, <laughs> Meadville itself is not diverse, but the church is diverse. So the church uh, is diverse. Yeah, the church is the so, uh, so did you import the diversity? Are you basically <laughs> you basically Ubering all the diversity into Meville? Is this basically what's you happening? You know what? I, listen, I, before I got here, I don't think they had a soul food restaurant. Now they got a soul one soul food restaurant. They're about to have another soul food restaurant, you know. Oh, so you building up the economy. That's the I said you building up the economy, dog. Right, right. <laughs> You are the black community. I love it. I love it. And now uh, you are also you are also the just newly appointed. First of all, your brother just said, "Why you ain't made him the deacon?" <laughs> no, he don't need to be a deacon. We we he need hands laid on him before he his hands out the pot. That's why we need to, we need to cast some stuff out. <laughs> hey, them, hey, them days of having a deacon with a flask in his suit pocket is over. We don't need. We don't need people bringing their own communion. I know that. Oh man, yes. So yeah. they just made you. You are you are newly appointed, uh, recently appointed uh, president of the NAACP chapter of Meadville, correct? I'm talking yeah. about. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Yes, sir. yes. Sir. How how is that going, man? How's how's that? It's great. I I, I can say. Uh, this particular chapter is like a well-oiled machine. They already had a lot of great stuff going uh, on with the chapter, but, you know, God has really graced me with the transition of me taking over. Uh, the chapter has grown exponentially. 
And um, we're excited. I mean, and it's crazy because here, you know, when I, again, talking about diversity, yes, the majority of the population is Caucasian, but like that goes with the NAACP as well. Like the majority of the NAACP is Caucasian and they're very passionate about uh, the causes and the so advancement. They fight for y'all rights. They fight for y'all rights. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, the NAACP was actually started by Caucasians. No, it so, was. You're absolutely right. Yeah, in upstate yeah. New York. Absolutely. Yep. That's right. So, so, it's Go ahead. so do they say stuff like, you know, in a way we're all colored. Do they say that? Like we all have. Well, I, I, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. Heard that they just relate in, 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 in love. <laughs> no, nah, that's real. Though. I mean, it, it really is. You know how proud I am of you of, of stepping forward and doing that and, you know, carrying that banner. We, we as pastors, we stand on the shoulders of a lot of people who have, uh, not only stood behind the pulpit, but in the streets and made sure that uh, right treatment of people is the standard. And uh, I'm proud of you taking on that challenge. And let's just be honest, you know, it's actually a harder challenge to do it in a place where, you know, it's not predominantly black. And thankfully, yeah. you do have a lot of, you know, allies, uh, you know, white allies. That, that that does mean a lot. We all wish we had more a lot of times, you know, wishing we had more people standing beside us. So, do you notice differences from that dynamic, like in how the programming or the issues that you guys kind of tackle? Are, are there certain differences that you might notice from where we're at down here and what you grew up under here and, and maybe over there? Yes. One, one thing that I, I noticed um, is how, um, again, being that it's predominantly Caucasian, you know, a city, that when they stand up for for instance, Black Lives Mattering and things of that nature. Uh, it, I mean, there are people that do not like it. They, they do not like it. And and there's a lot of Caucasians that I've seen that have taken uh, a, a lot of criticism and a lot mm. of, uh, for lack of a better term, punishment because they stand up for equality for all. So that's that's one thing that I've seen because, I mean, they're, they're radical here. I mean, they're they're, you know, we believe that every every life matters, and you know I, I've seen more Black Lives Matters signs in white neighborhoods than I've seen even in the black neighborhoods or or the black wow. houses rather. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, an interesting dynamic to see, you know, that there are people that actually get it that are of another persuasion. Now, Cameron, Pastor Todd talked about standing on shoulders. You are a PK. Your father was a powerhouse of a preacher as well as singer, uh, you know, as well as stylist because the, bro the brother be dressing. Oh, us. he could dress. Oh, yeah. He's you a know? one man fashion show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And, and, and thank, 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 thanks be to God. Your, your mother actually keep my wife's shop open. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she Absolutely. does. Absolutely. <laughs> So we, we are we are thankful to her because our lights are on because of your mother. Um, but uh, but um, it, the dynamic. Talk to me about the dynamic of you growing up as your father being a pastor and you playing the drum for him and preaching for him. And now you are actually your father's pastor. And I know Todd can also speak to this because he had he he shared in that role as well. Uh, my father was just a heathen. So I can't really, uh, <laughs> I can't really relate, but pray be to God. Uh, talk to me about that. Yes, sir. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I will say this. I will say this. 
Um, you know, the Bible says if you're faithful over a few things, he'll make you rule over many. I was faithful to my father and see my father started pastoring in my late teenage years. So, you know, I grew up at St. James Church of God in Christ. We all from, from Warren, you know, so my whole life I was a PK as far as a, a preacher's kid. But when I got ready to go to college, that's when my father uh, started his church. So I began uh, to be with my father in that uh, aspect. And it was just interesting because I was challenged. I even talked about it Sunday uh, this, uh, this morning, how being with my father, I had to take the chastisement. I had to take the boy, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, I had to take all of that. And he literally drunk. said that. You're going to drunk. He literally said that during services. <laughs> during, during services. During, you were there during, one. You were there one time. You were there. Get off the drums. Get off the drums. Go, 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 go. You know <laughs> so uh, I believe that because I honored my father and I did right, even when there were people that wanted to split my family up, and that's just being real. And, and, and cause division and cause confusion. I honored my father. I didn't even disrespect them. That when the moment was right, because I kept my integrity, God led my father. And my mother didn't even know when he was going to join. It was just, you know, he their church was basically shut down and he was coming up here, believe it, up here visiting. And one Sunday he told my mother he was going to surprise me. And we're in the middle of worship. Um, and while we're in the middle of worship, uh, my father stands up and I'm wondering what he's standing up for. He just, he just standing up in the middle. <laughs> so I'm like, what's going on? And he asked for the mic and I'm like, oh, what is, what is he about to do? What's going to happen? So then he said, this is the Sunday, uh, you know, I've decided to join my son's church. So, I mean, it's been a major blessing. It's, it's major affirmation. Uh, and and I'm able to lean on my mother and father. I know, you know, even if we have disagreements, whatever, if push come to shove, my, my my mother and father will be like Tupac and Biggie and will knock Listen. somebody out. Right. <laughs> it would be great. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. And, you know, we, we know that story, man, and, and honoring our parents and coming behind them and then finding your own voice, you know, yes, finding your own voice, your own style your own distinctives and, and being comfortable, you know, sometimes it's the worst thing in the world to preach in front of your own father or your own parents or the people who raised you, because, you know, a part of them want you to be you, but they also want to see them in you. And I can attest that there's a lot of Carmen Bowman and Cameron Bowman, you know, there's a lot, but there's a lot of Cameron and Cameron too. And that's just a beautiful thing. Now you are how old Cameron? I'm 34. I'll be 35 in August. So I only got a couple years on you. You know, you are a, a young pastor at the St. John uh, Full Gospel Baptist Church. And you have been pastoring for some time to be so young. Uh, I've been at it for going on nine years now uh, since I was turning 30. And there are unique challenges that come with being a young pastor, you know, not the least of which is most people that aren't in the youth department are older than you. You know, you're, you're, there, there's not a whole lot. And now you are blessed with some young adults, but we all have the same reality. Most of the churches are usually dominated, most of our traditional churches, by older people. So just about everybody is old enough to be my, my mom, my dad, my grandma, or auntie, uncle. How has that been adjusting for you as a young pastor? You got to know who you are. Mm. Flat out, point blank. I've learned you got to know who you are. If you're not sure 
uh, of your election and your call, you will get ran over. And and really, honestly, being under my father, training me for that because my father was very hard. I mean, he was very he was he was taskmaster. You know, so I had to learn. I, I used to joke with him. You know, I, I said, "Yo, you know, he he grew up at, at Phillips Chapel Church of God in Christ in the seventies. I felt like I grew up." In the in the in the Philip Chapel Church of Christ in the 70s and 2000s, because I was treated that way, you know what I'm saying? So, um, really, just I, it, it's it's definitely been challenging. But like I said, I mean, it's all about how you carry yourself. It's about uh, uh being sure of yourself, be, having having God esteem, being confident that you know uh, I know who I am. I know what God called me to be. You know, not arrogant. You know, still humble. But you know, I, I've had to, and it, and it's been crazy. I've had to get. 70 year olds in check. I've had to talk to 60 year olds and be like, you out of order. You know, I've had to get people, you know, yeah, my father's age and be like, no, you don't do that. That's not what we, right, that's not what we do right. here. You know, so uh, yeah, just knowing who you are, I, that would be my answer. Wow. Now, this, this, this right here, these three people uh, who you all see on the screen. It's probably as diverse a group <laughs> as yeah. you can get. <laughs> you know, you 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 talking about Todd coming from a non-denominational, going to a Baptist, Cam going from a uh a Kojic. Kojic yeah. going to Baptist. I think I've been Kojic, Baptist, Pentecostal, <laughs> full gospel. <laughs> I've been Buddhist that. for a minute. Jeff was Muslim for a I'm minute. <laughs> He became a uh, he became an imam at a mosque and didn't realize it. He just <laughs> how 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 was that though? I mean, how was it? You know, um, you know, making that transition and and uh, do you do you tend to still lean on some of the Church of God Christ ways or you know have 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 you embraced all of the full gospel? Obviously, uh, you know, when I was at my last church, I was hidden into that full gospel thing really strong. And, and I absolutely loved it. I, I really did. Um, but obviously when I came here, you know, it's just different. So, um, you know, how, how do you feel about that as a young pastor? It was, it was easy for me because uh, full gospel was known as baby coaching. <laughs> uh, Bishop Paul Morton came out of the church of God in Christ. So his, a lot of his thought processes were already there, even though he converted to you know, being a traditional Baptist, um, you know, he had an epiphany one day and just came back to uh, his foundation. So really coming here, it, it was amazing. I mean, my, my predecessor, Bishop Stanley K. Smith, was the bishop of Pennsylvania for uh, the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. And me being in fellowship with him before I got here, I knew him. I knew what he stood for. You know, I, I knew the anointing that was on his life. So coming here, it really wasn't, you know, I, I mean, of course, Coming here, I had to bring some Warren with me, you know, the flavor of where we, how we grew up, you know, the church circle. Uh, so, yes, I do definitely still because there, there's certain things. I mean, everybody, you know, where you come from, there's nothing like where you come from. So for me, there's nothing like, you know, I love Church of God in Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, those are my roots. So I do. I mean, I, I can I can honestly be very, very cogent at times, you know, but. Uh, the church has learned to love it. You know, they've adjusted and it's, it's gone well. I, I I like I love being full gospel, though, because I believe they've taken it to the next level uh, as far as really understanding uh, Bishop uh, Joseph Walker, the third Warren Walker, the third. My presiding bishop talks about keeping your finger on the pulse of God, really understanding what's going on now and how to flow in that. You know? Yeah. 
And isn't it, you know, just from a conversation sake, because we don't want to like interrogate you. I mean, we're, we're going to do a roundtable style. You know, isn't it easier for us because, you know, both of us and now me and Cam really came up together. We were in the same spaces a lot. You know, then Pastor Jeff, you had an incredible, diverse experience. We came up with so much diversity that many of our parents really weren't exposed to that. It's been easier for us to glide between traditions and, and respectfully. So I don't mean uh, schizophrenically like we just trying to be something new every week. And I think some people might get that idea without really realizing that almost the world they prayed for we are living in and now we're the result of it, which means we can live through. I'm, I'm, you know, full gospel, you know, non-denominational spirit field background in a Baptist church. Now I'm not getting up there trying to force them to express Pentecostal gifts, but they definitely feel the fire and the passion in the way that I present. And we're just more flexible. Well, we're just able to operate and, I, dare I say, respect so many different traditions because we didn't grow up like a lot of our parents did. Now, now, honestly, to be to be truthful about it, it wasn't as divided as they make it because just about all of our parents have a story about how they used to fellowship with some other church of a different denomination faithfully all the time. But honestly, a lot of older ones would not even go in churches down the street if it wasn't a special event or a wedding or, or a funeral or something. And we spent our whole lives playing in everybody's church. Now we're preaching in everybody's church. And it's just, you know, a wonderful uh, example. But I also think that sometimes it's not always understood how flexible we've been molded to be. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. too. Let me, uh, I guess, let me ask you this, um, especially for those, uh, we, we always have, you know, the younger ministers coming in and watching and uh, you are one who, a lot of people say they started churches and I mean, they fizzled out in three days, um, you know, and, you know, they didn't went from, they didn't went from, you know, minister such and such to bishop in one half hour. And I ain't been the, in the same service in the same service. They got our name four times. <laughs> you actually started the fresh from the ground up. Right. And it, it actually became a successful ministry. Um, you know, what would you say to those? And, you know, I, you know, I started my first church was divine assemblies. I took over Apostle Jen, Apostle Robert Jenkins Church. It, he had already started it. You know, all the paperwork was already done. So I never had to go through actually starting it. I, I don't think it ever got off the ground the way we thought it would. But and it, that was still hard in and of itself. But uh, how how does that, how was that? How, how, how was that for you? Fresh Church was a fun experience. It was a learning experience. It was a growing experience. Uh it was crazy. I, I I was basically thrown to the wolves, uh, I guess, by God himself, because I, I, I had the call. I remember it was funny. I had a conversation with my wife. I was like, you know, it's not like God going to tell me to start a church. That night, God convicted me. He said, no, you're starting a church. <laughs> you need to start this church. So I waited a year. I went ahead and I started it. Um, and God really blessed us to be able to do a lot with a little. And um, it was just an interesting experience. I believe that I had to start the fresh in order to get here because it was a lot that I learned 
from having to do it yourself, you know, having to figure it out yourself. And you had, and I had, you know, of course, you two as brothers to, to lean, lean and glean a lot of information from, you know, but I, I wasn't lost out. I didn't have anybody sponsoring me. I really didn't have no money. I was just really following the leading of the Holy Ghost, you know, and, and, and God just really spoke and allowed us to do some really, really good things in a, in a three year span. Um, and, and it wasn't like we had to close. It's just God transition, you know, and it was a great learning experience, a great learning experience to, to bring me where I'm at right now. You know, uh, one of the things that I respect about you, uh, Cam, is that you have a healthy respect for the old school. And there's a lot of younger pastors, a lot of our peers. It's almost like a cottage industry to just bash old folk or just bash. Like now we definitely see the need to address toxic elements of, of tradition, pulling people out of routine, pulling people out of, you know, the things. And that's that's a rough go no matter who you are and no matter how loving you are. But there are some people it's like every single week, every single sermon, every single point is just basically taking a shot at anything that even appears or looks traditional in any way, shape or form. Like you got pews, you 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 ain't with it. You know, if you got the cross on your wall, you know, it is like <laughs> after a while, preacher's going to be like, yeah, you ain't going to find me up here preaching out a Bible and all like some traditional <laughs> folk. Who you think I am? You know, using scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how important is it to you, like you said about your father, but just in general, to honor that old school, even while we press and try to stay relevant for our generation, which is very much different. How important is that for you? It's, it's extremely important. I mean, you need a bridge to get over to the other side. I think a lot of people don't understand that you're standing on someone's shoulders. Like, you know, my church is about to be 105 years old. Actually, this year's 105 years old. It would be crazy for me to act like I didn't follow in the footsteps of Bishop Stanley K. Smith, who, who, who really, you know, I wouldn't be an overseer, really, if it wasn't for him introducing the church to full gospel. You know, that like there, there are steps to it. There's a progression. And I, I just feel like there's no way that you, you didn't just come here. You didn't just get here. You know, um, I, I mean, like you talked about earlier, I'm, I'm Carmen Bowman's son. People see me, they say you look like like your daddy. You know, as much as I may not want to look like him at, at times because, you know, uh, you know, Bowman's can be a little stubborn. I know that that's, 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 that's what it is. I, I look like my father. You know, I have mannerisms like him. You know, I sometimes when I hoop, I could sound like him, even though he's a singer. You know, it's just there's a bridge and, and you cannot you cannot act like you just got here on your own. And, and I, I think that uh, really, if you if you honor your elders and honor those that come before you, you know, there's a blessing in it for you. And God will remember that and reward you, you know, do unto others right. as you have them do unto you. Your time coming. You're going to get old one day, too. So listen. Listen, we're going to be old, man. We're going to be like, turn that music down. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to be like, play one of them old Kurt Franklin songs that I like. <laughs> you, uh, you know, it's funny because I was, I was sitting there. I remember my dad was preaching one time was a couple years ago. I think I was still at his church. He was talking about, you know, don't nobody... Don't nobody listen. You ain't you ain't gonna listen to Stomp to get saved. You ain't gonna listen to Stomp. But the thing about it, it was like 2013. Like Stomp was 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 my old school. So then I right. had to look at it like, wait a minute, that's my old school. I'm getting old. Like what's you know, time is flying. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. 
Now you, you, we just talked about uh, you honoring the old school. Well, and, you know, once again, we all have three very different preaching styles as well. You know, Todd, Todd is the, you know, stand up, uh, flat footed, and knock you out with a two piece. You yeah, know what I mean? Biscuit. And a you biscuit. Know. And a dry Popeye's biscuit. <laughs> I I am literally I am literally, I am literally the Flash, uh, running around like <laughs> I lost my mind. But Cameron, you have a very unique. You have like the most. You have an old school and a new school. You you will still walk the pews. You are still the pastor who will hold their towel and say, "Ah, you know, you hold your towel." You you know. Where, where does your preaching style come from? Pentecostalism. I Pentecostalism with a new school understanding of I'm not going to let the club outdo me. I'm I If we can go hard for the club, if we can drink and act crazy and do whatever, I'm going to come into church with my crazy self. I'm going to walk the pews. I'm going to jump up because I understand where God brought me from. And I understand God's grace and mercy towards me, you know, and everybody may not have the same testimony. I mean, obviously everybody doesn't have the same testimony, but I know mine. So for me, every chance that I get, and I, I remember even when I had COVID, because I had COVID not too long ago, and I remember what it felt like not to be able to even go up the stairs without coughing. You couldn't take a shower without, your breathing is impaired. I had a fever for 11 days. So really even going through that, that even made my fire even more Kindle, you know, kindle my fire even more to be like, okay, I'm going to go as hard as I can. I'm going to preach like it's my last time because you never know. So, yeah, I I, I kind of I, I like being that one that holds on the tradi- to, to, to the traditional style of, of preaching while uh, having a radical approach of telling you, you know, God save you from getting AIDS, you know, <laughs> doing something crazy, you know, because I believe that's. In this hour, I believe that's one of the tools and one of the styles that's going to really uh, reach another generation. I know, Todd, guys, I just need to say this real quick while we're on that subject before we leave it. Uh, you know, I, I tried one time to walk the pews, but I got <laughs> short legs. I got short legs. Will somebody give me a step <laughs> suit? We need some stilts. Yeah. Help, Help me. Help <laughs> me. I'm never doing this again. You can't never. walk the pews, Doc. <laughs> Don't do it. Just walk along one pew. Just walk along one pew at a time. That's funny. You know, one thing I maintain a lot that I don't think a lot of people uh, respect is that there are so many presentations of church out there now. There are so many polished productions. And I really respect all of the different approaches. But the beauty of the kingdom is us, us not all trying to chase the exact same thing. And I almost see... I don't know who was the first. I don't know who was the first uh, church with red carpet and three seats and the middle seat is taller and it has the big red, you know, pool, big wooden pool put in the front and the mirror over the baptism. So you can <laughs> see the back. I don't know who the first of that was, but I do know that after a while, every church started looking that way. Every church started looking the same way. Now we're seeing every church with glow lights, every church with black stages, every church. And it's almost like, I don't always think that our generation realizes that we're sometimes chasing the trends of our day. And actually, pretty soon, those trends are going to turn into traditions for us. And I almost feel like living through this season 
should allow us to understand how our parents and grandparents got to where they were and got so attached to what they're used to because it's what they put their space and energy and their ingenuity into. And now we're doing it ourselves and we're going to struggle when somebody flips that on us. You know, we're going to struggle, but I just feel like I wish we weren't so, you know, cookie cutter about our approach because it feels like everybody's chasing the other one sometimes. And and I feel like people still want church. That's why I won't try to turn Second Baptist into the word church, for instance. I love the word church. I love the light church. I love, But Second Baptist is Second Baptist. Right. And plenty of people, young and old, want to come in Second Baptist and have Second Baptist church. And how important, based off that statement, is it to be true to yourself? Is it to be authentic in yourself and to the identity and the DNA of your church? What do you think? about staying, not that you don't have to shift them to new places, but knowing the DNA and the foundation of your church. How important is that? It's extremely important. You know, I was a startup pastor and I was a transitional pastor. And me coming in, one thing that I really tried to understand was the culture of the city, the culture of uh, the church, where it came from, and, and see what areas I could put my flavor, the flavor that God gave me in, you know. But I, I, one thing I was really conscious of when I first got I did not want to shift them to the fresh church. I knew that because that's who I am, eventually it would get to becoming something similar to that. But I, I really tried to understand, okay, where are you all at? What have you all done? What is the history, you know, and, and be in tune with that? Because you, if you're not, I mean, for those that, that take over churches, it, 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 and, and those, I mean, both of you have, you know, it's, it's not as easy as people think it is, you know, whether the church has money or, ne- or doesn't have money, whether the church Never is easy. a large Never church easy. or a small church, yeah, it's, it's not as easy. And 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 I remember my, my pastor, Bishop Gavin, said, he said, you're not the pastor of the church for like five years. <laughs> You're not five to seven <laughs> years, Doc. That's it. Yeah. Yes. So um you, you gotta know where they're they've been in order to really hear God about where they're going. One thing that I did, and I'll say this and I'll you know, uh shut up. One thing that I did when I came in, I didn't have quote unquote a vision for the church. I kind of wanted to assess where the church was and hear God about where to take them. And because I did that. I believe it really was a success story because I was able to understand, see where they were at. Really, there were people, a lot of people that got some healing, some clarity, deliverance, and, you know, God flipped it to what it is now. You know, what you just said about vision, and I mean, let's just have a, let's just have a, a, a candid talk about being new pastors, what you just said about vision in a church. Here's the trap. When you come into a new church that's an established church, they're going to say, we want to know your vision and we want to follow your vision. <laughs> Tell us your vision. We, you know, we want something fresh. We want your energy. But n- not to say it's not true, but sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for. From oh, yes. Yeah. And sometimes we have to be careful how we answer what they're asking for yeah. from the pastor's side, because we can disappoint ourselves thinking that they can handle everything that can come to mind. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of that is, you know, well, what's your vision? And, you know, like you, it was kind of stunted at first, but quite frankly, 
I had a lot packed away, a lot packed away, you know, and feeling like, OK, the potential of this church is here. I know what God can do if we do this. And let's be honest, sometimes you run into a brick wall. Like, did y'all want a visionary or just a itinerant preacher to be here every week to or, or do you really want to be led into something? You know, doesn't have to be greater, doesn't even have to be weird or different, but just a vision. And I've I've been struggling with that, you know, because there is a capacity issue on both sides of how much can you handle and how much can you give? And, and Jeff, are you running into that? I mean, COVID has, you know, definitely brought challenges to what, you know, you starting off at Progressive. But where do you fall out on the vision spectrum sort of coming into the church? Well, I, I'm sort of like Cam. I, I tried to see where they were. And, you know, once again, it was very difficult because I took it over right at the height of pan right at the height of the pandemic. And uh, so, you know, I'm literally just now getting to see and getting to know a lot of the people who I didn't know. And, uh, you know, and obviously I, I have some people coming over with me at the same time. So, you know, I, I think my, my, my problems are probably going to start or probably just now about to start because I mean, I'll, hopefully it's not that big of a problem, but you know, I, I let them know who I was right when I, you know, took over when they were interviewing me. And, you know, I, I let the, if, if you guys want this, I'm probably not the person for you. Hmm. Hmm. But if you want this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your man. You know what I mean? But it, it I, once again, like you said, they'll say they want this, you know, and, you know, I ran into that problem with the, with the whole woman preacher thing. You know what I mean? Because, and, and, one thing I, I had to learn was that a lot of times what people say on their heart may not be what's written in paper. <laughs> you know, it's not going mean? to make it to the meeting, Doc. It was, that, that was parking lot talk only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So you you, you have to, it, it has to be, it has to be on your heart as well as in paper. So uh, to make it a reality. So, right. Um, and let's be clear, you know, I don't understand personally. Let's all vent to each other. I don't understand personally why you get a young pastor and don't expect youthfulness from him or 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 why you get somebody who, you know, is ultra energetic and be like, why is he running around so much? Or why does he want to do something like I mean, I told one of my I consider him a friend, one of the deacons like, yo, the whole reason you called me is because of how much you saw me doing in the city. Did, right. did you really think I was going to come here and just chill out, baptize three people a year and call it a day? It's like, nah, I mean, and I think Cam and Meadville, the both of us and Warren, we both, we all probably feel the same way. When you live in an area where there's not a lot going on, you almost feel the need to generate activity. And let's just be honest, sometimes it's to keep your own soul interested. Exactly. Can exactly. we be clear about this? I mean, yes. I'm pastoring a, a, a church full of people whose kids and grandkids have mostly left the area entirely. And so my, my whole mindset is, is since I'm here, I might as well make it interesting. Like, why would I sit here trapped like I'm a 75 year old preacher that's been here for 50 years when I'm 38 and I'm full of energy? I'm going to make my time here as interesting as possible. I'm going to make my ministry. I'm going to stretch the bounds, the potential of what God has called me to do, because it's already it's almost like the dudes that were sitting at the gate, like, why sit here and die? Right. Why, why sit here and die? Why? Why? We already are condemned and doomed. We live in war and all the steel mills are gone. GM's closed. Everybody <laughs> caught the, 
you know, people will say ain't much going on in Meadville or whatever. I'm going to do something or I'm going to go crazy and just buy a one-way plane ticket to Russia or something. <laughs> <laughs> Be feeding kids porridge <laughs> or something. But I think it's necessary. You know, young people, it's the same reason why our secular friends start businesses or go back to school or whatever it is that they do because we're at the age of trying new things and doing new things. And unfortunately, we're sometimes linked up with churches that that's not really their approach. They, they've been there and done that. And by the way, they have been there and done that. They probably did something great 30 years ago, yep. 40 years ago. So, you know, I think it's important for us as young pastors to measure that expectation. But I also think it's important for churches. Know what you're getting. If you want a middle-aged to older gentleman or, 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 or sister that that is more you know on cruise control stop asking for resumes from the young guns and the on fire people who are you know walking around you know with like let's do this let's do this let's let's implement this implement that i think there needs to be wisdom on both sides to know what you what you need and what you want what you can do because there is absolutely somebody out there who will just take your check all day every, every sunday and go home and not ask you one single question. Yeah. Yeah, I know three of them right now. They, you know, they, they, they would take anybody's church, visit a few nursing homes, and call today. And if and, and if you don't put a new doorknob on the church, they could care less. If right. you're still playing, if you still got tape ministry, if you still got a <laughs> tape ministry, they'll, they're fine. They're not going to – listen, Cam, you've been there right there with us. We come in there like, oh, y'all need a new drum set. Oh, no, 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 no. This ain't going to work. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 So being a musician, being a young musician, how does that play a part in being a pastor? Does it make you more picky? Does it, uh, come on, come on with it, Cam. How, do, how does that affect you being a musician? Before you, before you, let me, because I, I want to give you a devil on that because that, that was my next question. Uh, you know, today after service, uh, well, the last couple weeks, I've, we've been trying to get people to put, sing with the praise team, you know, I can't really, I ain't really getting a lot of, so I just jumped in, you know, I just do a little background. My wife was just, she was, you know, she's like, well, I, I hope y'all hurry up because I don't like you down there singing. Not that I can't, and I can't sing, but she just didn't like the fact that I was out of the pulpit singing, you know what I mean? And, you know, I had to think about it. I said, well, you know, for years, we set up under Pastor Todd, where Pastor Todd played, sang, yep. you know, yep. done all of that. You know, I watched Cameron, yep. Yesterday on the drums, I think it was doing a little solo. You know what I mean? I, what you know? Is it is it difficult for you? I mean, I don't I don't think I see anything wrong with it. Um, it's very interesting. First of all, as a musician uh, slash pastor, you understand both spectrums and both worlds. So, one thing that I tell the musicians in my church, and some of them that have played for me over time don't understand what I'm saying. I'm like, I care about your soul. Like I, I, I've been where you're at. I, I understand, you know, I remember my first concert. I, I played my first concert. I went outside the church and I'm not the nicest looking dude, but I was tripping that there were ladies surrounding. I mean, surrounding, you know? So, I mean, it, it, I know temptation is all around you, but it's about how you handle it, you know? And, and I think being a pastor musician, what musicians would do with a pastor who's not a musician, they don't get away with it with you. 
you you can spot it, you can see it. You're like, no, nah, nah, that's that's no, nah, that don't sound right. You know, I remember there was one time the praise team was rehearsing. You know, this is back in the first church. I said, scrap the whole thing, stop all of it. Don't, don't don't do nothing you talking about doing. Don't sound right. It's not cool. And you know, if a musician isn't used to that, they'll feel some type of way. But you know that that leads to the other spectrum, which is, and both of you guys know this. It's hard to find the right musician a lot of times that understands both sides and both worlds. So yes, I've had, especially moving up here, when I was in Youngstown, Warren, I could I could find musicians. It was no problem. But Meadville, that was a huge thing because right. there are no musicians in Meadville for our style of church. Um, you know, I, I thank God for Brother Sean because he he came with me when I first came here. Been, been here still still here you know and um but there's others that have come in gone you know uh for one reason or another um and and it's it's mainly because of the distance because there's not so I've had to do both I've had to play and preach and it is tiring to play and to preach if you go if you if you gonna have good church it's it, it can it can wear you down but I got to the point I was like you know what I'll do whatever it takes to make the service work. So even in your uh, position, Pastor Jeff, I think you doing what, what Pastor Taz had to do, what I have had, had to do, whatever it's going to take for the service to go across, for people to be touched, for people to, for people's lives to change, I do it. I heard Bishop Sean Tyson say he pick up a tambourine. I've seen him get on organ, and they and they have a beastie organist. They got uh, Minister Johnny Austin over there, but right, he get right. on the organ right. to play whatever it takes to make the atmosphere right. For the word of God to fall on good ground. Now, at I'll our level, at our level, I feel this sometimes. It feels like a trap because it feels like because people know you can and they know you will, that they will always lean on you. And Absolutely. the dynamic of my church switched because Pastor Dr. Hearns, my predecessor, he he was a preacher and a teacher, and that was it. He was not a singer. He was not a musician. He was not a worship leader. And, you know, the style of that church is the minister comes in, sits down, the service goes. And when it's their time to stand up and preach, they stand up and preach. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. Whereas we are engaged from top to bottom. I mean, sometimes if we don't turn the lights on, they ain't on. I mean, if it's, you know, we'll switch the batteries in the mic. You know, it's just. We're engaged. Sometimes it feels like a trap because, okay, let me just ask you this question. This is to the fellas. I mean, this is round table. I'm not just grilling Cam, but do you ever feel like that might hinder your work and how people view you as a pure preacher because they always see you as a jack of all trades or so down to earth, almost too down to earth. And so the sad thing is we often look at these pastors who would sit a whole service for two hours and wait to preach like they're aloof and they are detached or they're too good to praise but honestly sometimes people end up respecting them more in some ways than they do the one who's kind of running around and then it affects us because we're not as focused as we ought to be sometimes when it comes time to to preach i mean i'm up there i got an ipad app i'm adjusting mics while i'm preaching and you know i'm like you know do you feel trapped i don't want to say trapped but do you feel i feel it personally that it could limit how people view me. And then you can talk all the great Todd Johnson or great Jeff Stanford or whatever you want, but there's just this difference because we know Pastor Tyson Bishop does not have to do that. Right. He doesn't have to yeah. do that. 
And so he's doing it more by choice and we're doing it more by necessity. Do you feel trapped in that? Like that could perhaps limit you in a way? Absolutely. Back in, in, in our hometown of Warren, Ohio, they still look at me as little Cameron to play the drums. You know, it don't matter, you know, and it's crazy. I, I go out, I was talking to one of my friends and say, you know, I go out now and, you know, they, you know, the overseer and you know, preaching different places, blah, blah, blah. But you go back home and oh, you, yeah. you, you, sunshine, you, you, know, you, you, know? you, 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 play for the youth choir. Exactly. Exactly. You, 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 you say, I, I remember when you couldn't buy a cheeseburger. You know, yeah. like, you, you know, you, you hear stuff like that. So, you know, I remember, I remember when you was, I, you know, and and, and that's that's kind of how people view you. So you're right. There are certain people that just can't see you past that, and that's why I believe some, for some of us, like for me, I believe, you know, God kind of had to lead me away uh, to spread my wings for. People that didn't know drummer Cameron to see, you know, preacher Cameron. I, I you know, yeah. I, I believe it just it just had to happen. There are some people uh, that I've seen just go abroad and and just move forward. But for somebody like, you know, you Pastor Todd, I mean, you you've done phenomenal, and and I I believe even though it can be frustrating, you've overcome that in a sense because of how at least what I hear people say about you and how they view you. Um, you know, um, but there are some that, of course, that I, I know still, you know, that boy sure can't play the organ, you know, that boy still sure, sure can't play the drum. You know, so. Right, right. Or, or, or it's just why are you doing so much? He's everywhere. Why he's doing so much, you know, when yeah. you're 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 everywhere. What, where are you at on that, Jeff? I, I, I just believe, you know, it's a double edged sword, because if you don't do it. You know, whoever does do it, going to do it halfway. Or, you know, right. they're going to do it messily or, you know, and, and, you know, not that, you know, they're not trying, but they have no idea what they're doing. You know, I mean, you know, take, for example, you know, when we recorded the thing, you know, they, it was just up. They had the the rope thing and it was just sideways. The video was sideways. You know, and then, oh, it's, let's just they, they can turn the camera. No, I don't want them to have to turn the camera. Right. So, right. You know, so right. if we don't do it, if we don't do it, speaking then of turning cameras, speaking of turning cameras, <laughs> speaking of technical difficulties, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, and, and you know what? I have a personal obsession. I want things to be right. And sometimes I only trust myself to make it right because I understand that whatever I entrust somebody else to do, that's going to reflect on me. You know, that's going to reflect. It's going to be like, Pastor, your church was messed up this week. Your church didn't sound good. You y'all didn't do this. And and even if it comes to. Roles like Cameron being an overseer and and you have a role over other churches, you serve your bishop in Pennsylvania. Pastor Jeff and I both respectively work. And let's just be honest. Can we be real candid for the audience out there? Even when it comes to invitations we might get or the quality of people we might associate with, sometimes you might worry man, they're going to feel like I'm bushly because I'm still running a ministry where I have to do so much. If they pop in on one of my services, they're going to see me singing and playing or filling in or doing a lot of duties. And sometimes you just don't feel like you've leveled up. And I think that's just something we all have to work on in esteem. But I do wish more of our fathers in the gospel would talk more about their seasons going up the mountain. And a lot of them go from dirt floors to megachurch. 
and they don't tell you much about the in-between. Like you started out with five families. Now you got 5,000 people. Tell me about when you had 110. Tell me about when you had 70. Tell me about when you was putting out chairs every week or whatever it was. Tell me when things went down. I feel like we don't have as much reference, but also we have a lot more to handle too. We got streaming. We got whole sound systems and stuff. Back in the day, they had one good mic in the church. Right. One good mic, a piano player, (laughs) and and maybe a drummer. And now we have so much stuff to keep up. I mean, even right now, we have a little anxiety. Our Facebook was stuttering. You get anxious when you find out that stream ain't working right. You be like, man, (laughs) I start this whole service over. All right, rewind the Holy Spirit. Rewind the whole thing. (laughs) But you know what, Pastor Todd? We do have have some, some, you know, people like... Pastor Harrison, who's going to be up on the roof uh, fixing the satellite. This cat, this cat, uh, <laughs> this cat running his own fiber optic cable. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I watch, I watch um, Bishop Paramore do quite a lot, you know, over there at, uh, you know, Tri-C and, uh, you know, so there are some who, who have uh, major ministries who are doing a lot of work. Um, but I, once again, like you said, I don't know if it's they have to or they like to. So, you know, right. that may be a difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cam, tell us, what's what, what's your biggest frustration that you are still dealing with as a young pastor? Oh, man, that's 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 a good question. That's a good question. Um, I believe it's not as bad as it as it used to be. Um, am, am I still here? Can y'all, yeah. can y'all see me? Okay, all right. Yep. Yeah, I don't believe it's as bad as it used to be, but I know one thing that I, I I find challenging is when you say something correct and then they say, Oh, well, he's still young, you know. He 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 he's still young, you know. I, I had to deal with that a lot when I first started and still here, you know. Oh, I heard that actually I heard that not too long ago. You know, somebody got out of the pocket and I had to correct them. Oh, well, you're you're new, you know, you're young, you know, and it's just like, you know. As a pastor, if I if I'm if I'm doing what God called me to do and leading you and your leader, it shouldn't matter if I was two years old. If, if, right, right. If God is speaking and this is what needs to happen, this is what needs to happen. Absolutely, and and you know, I don't think people understand that words do have power, and they set a stage, they set a atmosphere, and even those small little trite comments they really do just sort of undermine in very small ways. It's like very small pokes and people can support you and love you and not understand that some of the ways that they express themselves are actually, because let's be honest, we feel our youth. It's not like all the confidence in the world, all the knowing who we are, we're still trying to tread. Like you said, with the honor, we're still trying to walk the tightrope and you feel like you're doing a great job to avoid that kind of, you know, response flippant cliche and you're like okay that doesn't help you know you throwing that at me now I got to respond you know or not respond let it hang out there you know mm-hmm. either let it hang out there and it does something respond and it does something and I, I feel you absolutely on that you know I would say personally sometimes again you know we're high energy as young sometimes you're looking for energy level to match and I think particular to our region we are just so void of other young people. Yes. And we might have a core crew. You've got your core crew. You know, I've got a couple, but let's just be honest. It's not like it was 30, 40 years ago where there was just a much larger contingency 
of engaged and involved and, you know, motivated young adults and middle-aged even people, it, it, that the energy match, or I should say mismatch, can, can be frustrating. It, it's like, I, you know, even the, even the speed of how we move, we live in the mobile world, we live in the cell phone world, you know, we can organize a musical with a few text messages. We can right. set up the shed with one Facebook post. It, it takes two years to set up a banquet in one of our churches. You know, it's like a two year, you know, <laughs> 9,000 meetings. And even the energy of openness, being open to different ideas. Like our concerts have been wildly successful in some frame or another. We had a stinker, to be honest. We had a stinker in there. But the excitement and energy behind them still isn't totally there all the time, even though they're a successful model. You know, so the unfamiliar still works against you, too. Jeff, what still do you deal with at times when you're I know you're not as young, but you're still young in a lot of people's eyes when it comes to the people you serve. What do you run into? I think the biggest thing, you know, is, is just. I, I'm still trying to find my way, honestly, you know, I'm still trying to find, you know, like you said, I am right in between that young in that older group, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I tend to, you know, gravitate towards the younger because, you know, I, I, I'm still, for me, I'm a young 48, you know, and I'm a, heck, I'm having a baby. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but then I also want to be, We see you, Jeff. Jeff? Uh-oh, he closed it. He thought he went out. Man, we have had a bad night with Tech tonight. But to everybody watching, thank you for watching. We're going to uh, upload the whole show later. So, you know, you can still enjoy the entire show. We're going to upload the entire show. Uh, but, Cam, until J Pastor Jeff comes back, uh, do you have any immediate future plans or anything that you're excited about upcoming? Anything that is visionary or just... Uh, enhancements or things that you're looking to do in the near future? Yes, sir. I, I'm really just excited about the church growing. I mean, really, when the pandemic hit, we really decided to rebrand the church and really just kind of make things a little bit more contemporary. When I got here, there was no online giving. There was, you know, I mean, no music department, really. There was some things that just need to be in place. So really, just building on those things, um, and really just, I mean, there's a lot of good, great things going on in the NAACP, our education committee, you know, and just building diversity. So I'm I'm really just excited at just kind of really hearing God regarding how to move forward. So really, I, I, I would say really I don't have like an etched in stone, like we're going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But I'm, I'm excited for the possibilities of moving forward, going forward. Like I said, we just had our first. Uh, afternoon service really since the pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we have our, our district meeting under my fellowship. We're going to have a virtual district meeting uh, July the 9th and 10th. Uh, so that's going to be a powerful uh, time. More information is going to be coming forward about that. Uh, I have a couple of speaking engagements going on as well. Um, and, um, now, those are in person because we were joking earlier, but you are back to traveling and everything, yeah. right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, this weekend, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, on the 6th, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, on the 25th of uh, June. So 
Um, we got our church anniversary coming up on uh, the second Sunday of June as well. It's just a lot going on. Just like I said, just trying to navigate through, you know, this pandemic as it seems like it may be coming to a close, but you right. never know, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hoping the surge doesn't come back. You know, we've we reopened and you know, the, the audience is decent, you know, not as big as it was. We went to two services. We were doing three for a while, which worked out okay, but I think two meets our our needs. And I'm with you, man. Like, you know, there are a lot of things we're not going back to. But but honestly, and I want to pick this up because we need to do something we call rapid fire towards the end. To everybody watching or listening, Pastor Jeff, his battery just died. So we're just going to let him go because we're, oh, we're towards the end of our show. But uh, I do want to hit a rapid fire about the changes. You know, what are the most dynamic? And you answered some of that. You know, I don't see us. I think a lot of people are overshooting it sometimes with all the things they think the pandemic is going to change. I just think there are natural shifts we're going to make because we realize what we could do without and what was effective going forward. Absolutely. And what I think, and I probably, you can attest the same way, Cameron, is even our older members, many of them have adjusted with us. They have tried to adjust and some have just by force with the pandemic had to adjust. And that's been a help because they've gotten online and technology in ways that they probably weren't going to before. They really were going to hold out. And now, you know, they got their little grandkids over there to make sure they on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And, and they're making sure that they're going to be on it. So and here's what we normally do, Cam. We're going to do our last uh, ad, our last advertiser. And I know you want to get back out of here, man, because you've been in church all day long. So we won't keep you. Uh, but I'm going to bring in Big Mike for a few last questions, do our last advertisement and, and then close out because we do have one last question for you from the audience. Uh, from your boy, Mark Rains. So uh, we want to, again, thank you, uh, our sponsors, Phillips Care, Family of Businesses, uh, Phillips Care, Lawn Care, and Building Cleaning and Maintenance. We also want to shout out our last sponsor from the Phillips Care Family of Businesses, Phillips Care Training, run and owned by the uh, one and only Mike Phillips, former Warren G. Harding football star, Pitt Panther football star. They are the proud new owners of High Street Fitness at 277 South High Street in Cortland. They're running specials for the spring, going into summer, getting your body right for the beach, if the beach ever comes. So check out the High Street Fitness Facebook page or call Mike at 330-984-7632. And as we say all the time, Mike will work you to death. You will lose that weight one way or the other. You're either going to lose that weight or, I don't know, I guess you'll be in a casket somewhere. But <laughs> you're going to lose that weight one way or the other. So we thank the Phillips family uh, of businesses for supporting Religiously Incorrect podcast. We're going to bring in Big Mike real quick to shut us down. But Mark Rains had a question, Mike, if you want to throw it in. And we saw the challenge you did yesterday. Now, I thought it was just for drummers. He said, ask Pastor Cam if anyone answered his pastors who are also musicians challenge. Now, was that for drummers or just musicians? It was for drummers because... Y'all organists always, y'all taking all the shine. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So in the beginning of the video, I said, look, I want to see drummers do this. So yes, Pastor Spencer, um, Pastor Spencer, I forget his last name. He uh, did it. Um, uh, Bishop B.L. Owens out of Cleveland, Ohio. He did it as well on drums. We ain't got Lamar um, yet. We ain't got Lamar yet. Well, he, you know, he's an elder. He can join in, but it's for pastors. Pastor. Pastor, you know I that? got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad to hear it, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Go ahead, Big Mike. What's happening with you? Uh, not too much, man. Great show, fellas. Uh, first, I want to 
apologize to our Facebook viewers. I'm not sure what happened. Actually, I do have an idea what happened because um, it started messing up when you was talking about the Jewish people. So, <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Zuckerberg. So I think that's what happened. <laughs> 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 my bad but yeah but yeah we're going to try to um uh put it on our facebook feed so hopefully you know all that will go okay everybody be able to watch but the ones who hung in there on youtube we appreciate you we really really appreciate you that's all absolutely. i got man absolutely so cam any last thoughts anything you want to share with us any encouragement um what god has for you is for you keep truck trucking keep believing keep striving uh I always tell my church that if you still have, if your dream still has breath, or if you still have breath, that means that your dream still has life. So if you're still breathing, then, and God has given you something to do, just believe that in due time, it will happen. Absolutely, man. Man, I appreciate you being on, man. We want to have continuing conversations. Again, we're sorry our other two pastors did have situations that came up, didn't allow them, but Cam is holding it down. <coughs> Mike, I think we have another uh, guest co-host in case one of us are out of town. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Cam. Definitely. definitely. Part of the Rip team. <laughs> Send him a t-shirt. Send him a t-shirt. So, hey, y'all, thank you so much. Be sure to go to religiouslyincorrectpodcast.com. Grab your swag, your gear. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Look out for our show. Special guest next week is going to be Sterling and Tyler Williams of the Sterling McCullough Williams uh, Funeral Home here in Warren. The legendary Gold Cadillac Funeral Home. That's all people know. Gold Cadillacs back in the day. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about the black funeral culture. Funerals in the black church. Black funerals. Tribulations of planning. Who got the body? Who got the body? I want to know. So he'll be answering your question. We'll be talking about pre-needs, insurance, you know, all the things we see. Why this? Why that? I think it's going to be interesting and enlightening and, of course, entertaining. So be sure to check us out. Cam, hang out for one second. Mike's going to play us out. We appreciate y'all being with us. Holla. Peace, y'all. See y'all next week. <laughs>